It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Brian Dayball and Joe Shane got the Giants to the playoffs and advanced to the divisional round in their first season. What's in store for year two? It's Giants Day, and we're breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys, me and dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And of course, a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single show, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, happy Thursday. Thank you. How's the weather? I'm going to ask you every day about the weather. I appreciate that because I I like the opportunity to explain to my YouTube audience that uh, I am not at home. I'm at a beach condo, so this is not the normal setup, but we're making it happen for you. Uh, We're getting rain today, all day rain, and Mm. we were nervous about rain all week. And we haven't gotten it. But today is the day that the rain's going to come. You know, maybe what's go that, bowling, do something else. What's that shirt you have on there, too? Uh, courtesy of my friends, uh, 26 shirts, uh, Del Reed. Um, it's like a spinoff of Adidas. Yeah. Adidas, but a buffalo. Yeah. A, bi- yeah. a bison, excuse me. A bison, yeah, yeah. Don't forget that. Bison. Is it a bison or a bison? Uh, it's just not a buffalo. Like chocolate and chocolate, right? Oh, here like, comes the, the pronunciation police on on animal names <laughs> and food as opposed to just I think names. the pronunciation police have come up every single day. Yeah. Right, because they've been so <laughs> annoying lately because we're talking about all these other teams, all these other players saying names we don't say all the time. And my goodness, if you can't resist the You're opportunity NFL expert, to send out a message. You I should know, especially man. know like who who day and who dad. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. That guy's not coming back either, so sorry. <laughs> Sorry, send the people away. Kyle, I love you know? the love the YouTube comments. Anyway, we'll see who we can take off today here because we're talking about the New York Giants. New York media should always be a fun, right? A fun jaunt. Um, New York Giants, Joey, as you mentioned, year two, Joe Shane, Brian Dable recommitted to Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. Kind of we're in this weird limbo with the franchise tag right now, and. He wants a long-term deal, and there's a lot of thoughts on the running back market in general uh, that Saquon Barkley, you know, he didn't dismiss sitting out this season. I'd be surprised if it comes to that. But um, offensively is where we're going to start here with the Giants. We mentioned Daniel Jones being brought back, Saquon Barkley on the franchise tag. What do we think offensively for the New York Giants, aside of Brian Dable being a wizard from a play design perspective? Him and Mike Kafka really got the most out of this unit last year. And I think that in some spots, I get more intrigued by what it looks like. Obviously, the arrival of Darren Waller uh, should be a great addition for this unit. 
Um, but you kind of look at the rest of this. I mean, they drafted Jalen Hyatt. They signed Paris Campbell. But I think they're kind of relying on a lot of their players from last year to come back, be healthy, guys like Sterling Shepard, guys like, guys like Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, and what he kind of showed down the stretch after coming over, after being signed off the Bills practice squad and really providing them with a very meaningful answer for this offense. I think it's about incorporating these new pieces and, and expanding on what they did last year. Um, but I think a lot of that leans on the success of this offensive line. And Andrew Thomas, you look like you're a, an absolute superstar at left tackle. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the rest of this unit, Kyle. I mean, I'm excited about John Michael Schmitz. He's never played a down in the NFL. Ben Bredesen, eh, I'm not sure he's a desirable starter at left guard. Mark Lewinsky is passable at right guard. And Sufficient Ev- level starter. Yeah, and then Evan Neal at right tackle, like high pick, the book is far from written, but he has got to take major, major strides in year two. And so I appreciate how they – the, the offensive line's probably better right now than it was last year, but that's a low bar to clear. And I think for them to get the most out of Saquon Barkley as they – you know, we'll see what's agreed upon here and what his status is going to be for the season. You know, I think they're going to have to lean on that rushing offense, and I don't like their running back depth. And I'm just kind of curious to see how this offensive line evolves because I think it's going to be the critical piece of this offense, you know, being able to reach its potential this year. The good news for Giants fans with Evan Neal is there's a very recent precedent of a player who was not particularly good in their rookie season and has turned into a very, 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 very good player in Andrew Thomas. Look to your left. There he is, Andrew Thomas. If you're Evan Neal, just look to your left. Right, just look to your left. There's there's the case study. But I don't think Andrew Thomas, in his rookie season, played quite to what we saw from Evan Neal last year. So that's the concern. And you didn't have in-season growth either. Correct. It, it, never, it never felt like it turned yeah. the corner or got better, ever. So there's some appeal in the run game, but from a pass protection standpoint thought we were late seeing a lot of things and we were in recovery mode way too often for Mm -hmm. a player who's as big long and athletic as evan neal is so if you're just going to say well he's going to be better in year two okay then you can make an argument that you have better play at right tackle i i think john michael schmitz without having played it down is better than what you had at center last year automatically i'd agree so those two spots in general can we get a little competition with as you do? I hope so. As you left guard. You're, yeah. You're, you used to be the North Carolina scout here. You tell me how to say it. So easy. You do easy. You do. So the pronunciation police don't come after me. Uh, if we get a little competition there. Okay. I can, I can really start to like the composition, but it has to happen. And those things are not guaranteed because player development in the NFL is, is nonlinear as we know. So uh, my biggest concern is Evan Neal. Yeah. Because with the investment that was made, you're you're not going to get him playing and say, okay, well he needs to he needs to sit down and figure it out. We'll play somebody else like that. That won't won't happen because of the investment that's been made there. So so from a performance perspective, that light bulb has to at least show signs of flickering to come on for this offensive line to go where it needs to go. You mentioned Saquon Barkley kind of in the opening and his status being uncertain. And I think last year was 
a lot about Saquon Barkley and leaning on him at times to be able to be the catalyst for this offense and mm-hmm. um, stabilize things. And I think they need that presence back this year. Where I get really concerned is is the depth here. Um, I'm intrigued by Eric Gray, but he is a rookie uh, coming from Oklahoma. And Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell, I'm not sure what we can rely on there. And I would just be very, very nervous about this football team without Saquon Barkley. Can um, we acknowledge that the last two months with Saquon were not good either? That's fair. I mean, the production was... Okay, you know, I'll, uh, not to scout the box score, but we watched the games, and you notice that his his impact late in the year was not what it was earlier in the season. Fifteen for twenty two against Detroit, Joe against Detroit. Yeah, I couldn't stop anybody last year. Eleven for thirty nine against Dallas. Eighteen for sixty three, three and a half per pop against Washington. Nine for twenty eight against the Eagles. Okay, then you bounce back 18 for 87, 14 for 84, 12 for 58. But, I mean, we, we were going for 140, 150 every other week in the first two months of the season. So I just think that as that offense evolved, you know, Saquon's ability to make the impact was not from the start of the year to the end of the year. Which speaks to the depth in general. Like, whether if they don't have Saquon Barkley, huge concern. If they want to maximize Saquon Barkley, somebody here has to emerge as a complimentary back here that you can lean on mm-hmm. to make sure that you're getting quality Barkley late in the season. I mean, that's just a, that's a lot of it's a lot of work for these backs, and it, it's kind of uncommon in today's age. And you know, I I know that Brian Dayball likes to have a committee approach, but that didn't really happen last year. I'm interested I won't happen this year any, either. Yeah, well, I, I, fingers crossed in Eric Gray. We um we have a lot to say about the wide receivers, which when we'll we come, come to consensus to. in segment three, I think a lot of that conversation is going to be dictated by the wide receivers. But I think the it's kind of tie ribbon on the offense. It's about it's about development from Evan Neal. It's about evolving from year one to year two, you know, Isaiah Hodgins and what you saw with those flashes late in the season, incorporating Darren Waller and, you know, hoping, hoping that between Slayton and Shepard and Paris Campbell and Wondell Robinson, that those guys, and even Jamison Crowder, you can get health and you can get consistency out of those players because that's kind of what this offense is going to, is going to need here. So uh, we're going to shift our focus to the defensive side of the football here in just a moment, as we continue this conversation, around the Giants on today's episode of Locked On NFL Scouting. But first, baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com to join today. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked On to join today. Love betting over at FanDuel. It's a safe, secure, easy-to-use app. They have great promotions. And it's the football's futures bets that really intrigue me right now, whether it's the player props, you know, the over-under for rushing, receiving, uh, passing totals, win totals for teams, the awards, all that type of stuff. You got in on the over on the Giants' win total last year. Mm. Uh, You did quite well. So maybe you want to double dip, go back to the well. I don't know. There's a lot you can check out over at FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to snag that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. 
FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Yeah, we formally owe the Giants an apology for last year (laughs) and how we viewed that team. Now, granted, did they overachieve? Probably. Yeah, of course they did. But they overachieved in a way in which Many teams historically have been able to overachieve in that they played disciplined football. They had very good coaching and they yeah. were good in situational football opportunities. They didn't turn the ball over. They were good in two minute and a half, all that kind of stuff. Dude, like the, the, the way that you know that they overachieved is Brian Dables, the reigning coach of the year. They went nine and eight. That that's, that's overachieving, right? Like that's what it means. So but we, we digress. we, firmly owe the Giants an apology yeah. for how we viewed the team last year. And I, I think this is a better team. And we'll get to the defensive side of the ball and talk about that side of the ball. And um, Joe, is this fact or fiction? The Giants have the best interior defensive trio in football. Interior defensive trio being Dexter Lawrence, Leonard yeah. Williams, and yeah. A'shaun Robinson. Yeah. I got to be honest with you about Ashawn Robinson. That was a player. That was probably the first player. We've done 20 high 20s in teams. I'm sure mm-hmm. at this point we got just a few left. Ashawn Robinson was the one player to this point where I was like, oh, I didn't know he played for this team. And uh, that trio, man, I'm not sure I can find a better one. But that's probably I the can, best one. I can tell you in the defensive summaries that we have done, there are. Three teams, there are three teams that have a one through three that are all adequate level starters or better. They're the Buffalo Bills, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the New York Giants. But only one of them has a cornerstone. That's correct. It's the New York Giants. Yeah, and I mean, like, the Bills have three yellows, right? Correct. Yeah, that's not the same as having one yellow, a blue, and a light blue. Which means so, roster cornerstone quality starter, uh, adequate starter. So I think the Giants have the best interior trio in all of football, especially because Dexter Lawrence found the ways to make the plays, the impact plays that he did last year. Imagine totally changed the composition of ju- just, just a, not having just uh, a nose tackle. Uh, well, you know, it, it's like uh, Mozzie Smith only had a half sack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that name to invoke. Right. Yeah, right? I mean, Giants fans not might not like it because Mozzie Smith's a cowboy, but yeah, just, we, we just have to appreciate like good football. good nose tackle. Flex. We like Dexter Lawrence coming out of Clemson, and and there was some, there was some detractors. Out. There was some big time detractors on that player. So, oh, well, now now I got to float around and produce this thing here for just a second. 
right, while you're floating there, I mean, even Raheem Nunez Rocha says you're Fourth defensive tackle, it looks pretty strong to me. And I like the rest of this front. I mean, KT, Kayvon Thibodeau, what he showed as a rookie, kind of getting a, a late start with the injury early on. Man, I enjoyed watching him play football. That mm-hmm. motor, bro. That he's. I like guys with motors. Like, and I know, I is it you that pulls this quote? I can't remember who it is. I see it all the time. Uh, but it's best way for you to show your love for your teammates yes. is how close you are to the football. Yeah, right. Right, and who who said it? Is it? Was uh, it... I I first heard Jalen Phillips say it in training camp last year when I was in training camp. I always like to bring up Melvin Ingram, who I think has one of the greatest motors of a football player that I've watched. And it's like Melvin Ingram in year ten is chasing everything. Why can't you? Why right. can't you? And why right. do we have to talk about it? Uh, KT, just an absolute monster in terms of. He's a menace. Pursuit effort, man. And he's <laughs> going to make so many plays. And he's, like, talented otherwise. Like, that's not the only thing that he brings to the table. He's right. got size, length. He's got moves. He's got power. Those are the special players, though. The ones who have the unteachable physical components, but yet still play the game like a two-star recruit that only got on yeah. the field because they tr- were try hard. Like, those are the special, special, special players. And KT's got a chance to be that. And I, I, like... thought he got, I thought he got better as the year went on, too. Oh, there's It's no kind of the inverse of Evan Neal. And I like Aziz Ojolari opposite of him. Jihad Ward has a place wherever uh, Wink Martindale's coaching defense. He'll have Jihad Ward with him. But uh, you got you got a potential. I mean, even with some of the other players there, I, I mean, I think they could have a little bit more here on the edge. But I think with KT in year two and Aziz, I, I feel a lot better about that group than I did uh, twenty four months time, ago. Yeah, this, or this yeah, time last year. This time yeah. last year when it was Aziz with a small sample size, even though he flashed as a rookie, and yeah. KT not knowing what you were going to get. Yeah. And, and Wink's ability to kind of get production out of edge rushers has been pretty phenomenal. And so you just yeah. never know. Like, you never know. Like, maybe O'Shane Exhibit as, like, it all comes together, or Ellerson Smith or something like that, or Tobin Ellerson Fox. Ellerson Smith, maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe not O'Shane. But the point being is, like, you've seen this happen under Wink. He's got a long resume of it really good defensive line development and they've got elite traits to work with there. So that's very exciting. Uh, I think behind that, I am a little worried about the linebackers. If we're being honest, should be Um, Bobby O'Karake is a good addition to this linebacker room. I think he's a needed addition to this linebacker room, but you look at the other linebacker deals done on the free agent market and you consider this was a four year, $10 million per year contract. And it's a little rich. I remember when we, the first team we watched was the Colts. Yeah. Right. And we watched the Colts and we said, man, like, O'Karaki looked really good, but you know what? So did Zaire Franklin. So did EJ Speed. Like, they, they had a couple of different guys that popped because they kind of went after the same type of player. And I think that's, it's a good embodiment of if I'm the Colts, I let Bobby walk and not pay him 10 million per season and don't lose sleep over it because I have EJ speed and Zaire Franklin as compared to paying $10 million to get Bobby O'Karaki in the house. Yeah. Now I think he's a, he's an adequate level starter. I think he's got really good traits. I think his length and range is something that's unparalleled with what they have. I know the two things that Gerard Davis has is straight line speed and long arms, but like, O'Karaki, I think, is a much more complete player than Gerard Davis. But who's going to emerge as the other stack backer? If it's Gerard Davis, you're probably going to have a hard time. So it needs to be one of these young guys 
in uh, Darian Beavers or Micah McFadden. One of those guys in my mind. Now, I think the nice thing with Okereke is I think he's long and athletic and rangy enough where if it is Beavers who yeah. can be the more physical guy, okay. And if it's going to be Micah McFadden as the more undersized player, like, okay, I think you can go either way with it. But I really want to see one of those two young guys emerge and take that other spot. Well, and I, I think if you're looking for the silver lining here, it's that these backers are playing behind what we've called the best interior defensive line in, in, in the league, yeah. right? And that's so yeah. important for linebackers. And you know, you think about Okereke with the Colts and Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner. I mean, those guys are pretty freaking good. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I mean, for as good as they are, I think collectively this interior for the Giants is better and that should allow a Karaki to to play fast and physical and, and do a lot of the stuff that made him a $10 million a year player. It's about finding that running mate. And, I mean, Jared Davis has just had so many opportunities in the league. But I, I will right. say, I mean, they, they saw him last year. They have some level of familiarity with him to kind of pencil him in right now. But I'd, I'd be hoping for someone else to emerge here. So that way you can have something a little bit more long-term. And, you know, even a guy on a rookie deal, I mean, that's very, very intriguing. I really like the makeup of this secondary, though. Bobby McCain, Darnay Holmes, Xavier McKinney, uh, Dory Jackson, Deontay Banks. If that's your nickel five, I think you have some good versatility. Yeah. I think you have a lot of interchangeability with the interior. I mean, shoot. Banks is probably the only one that you wouldn't want to take man coverage on the inside. Right. Like Adore Jackson can play in the slot. Darnay Holmes can play in the slot. Bobby McCain has been a slot guy for a long time before converting to free safety a few years ago. McKinney. I think you've got a lot of interchangeability for a guy like Wink and the pressure looks and being able to you know, kind of lie in the pre-snap and then rotate into assignments and, and have flexibility in that regard. I, I like the makeup a lot, but it's, it's going to be a, a lot. Large part of the success is going to be predicated around how quickly Deontay Banks takes to the NFL. I've been listening to a lot of Deontay Banks press conferences and man, that dude is confident. I love that about mm-hmm. him, right? Like he so he talked about like what's what's your superpower, and he's like confidence, man. He's like I believe I can play. I believe I can be physical. I can do anything on the field, man. And it shows up when you watch him play at Maryland. And so, yeah, I think that type of skill set's so critical for what Wink wants to do. And I don't think they ever had a, a, a super comfortable answer opposite of Adoree Jackson last year. Who I mean, what an absolute gift that was that John Robinson just cut him, and he's a quality starter and the Giants are able to snatch him up. So there's a, a parting gift from uh, what's the GM? I, I, Dick Gettleman. Uh, that was uh, that one worked out for you. So, um, yeah, I like the makeup of the secondary as well. A lot of versatility, a lot of what works for Wink. I think Xavier McKinney being able to play everywhere is is critical for this unit. And and even some, some young depth players that are interesting to me, like a Nick McLeod and kind of the flashes that he showed late in the season last year. Uh, Cordell Flott was a fairly high pick. Armani Orarie has started some games. Yeah, Dane Belton. You know, even Aaron Robinson has some some intrigue. So you know, I think that there's some defined starters, but even some depth here that that makes me feel pretty good about the makeup of the unit. It's time to come to consensus, Joe. Yes. So as we com- continue this conversation today on the New York Giants, we're going to come to consensus with a lot of focus on the wide receivers coming up after a very quick break. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay. We have Paris Paris Campbell, Colin Johnson, Jamison Crowder, and Ben Bredesen as players that we need to come to consensus too where oh where would you like to start why don't we i know that uh, in this segment i know a lot of people enjoy the part where you'll kind of go through and say who the cornerstones are and who the quality starters are let's kind of knock oh, that okay. out okay. yeah let's yeah, let's sure. knock that it's, out it's and then we'll get idea, to joe we'll, we'll debate these depth receivers we have cornerstone players being andrew thomas and dexter lawrence as things currently stand i don't think we're going to get any others in the coming to consensus bucket uh, we have quality starters in Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller, Xavier McKinney, Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Adoree Jackson. Uh, Thibodeau builds on what he has oh, yeah. this season. He'll be a cornerstone next year for sure. Yeah. Um, would the contract situation with Saquon Barkley at all impact your willingness to to put him in a cornerstone? No, I think that's a good good thing to bring up here Saquon Barkley I have a lot of respect for but I also have to be mindful of the overall package you mentioned or we all both we both talked about the the kind of the late season decline in production the previous two seasons are are things that I'm mindful of Uh, I love the talent I I think she still has some questionable decision making as a runner Um, and and so you know I just is he capable of carrying an offense A lot of the last three years, that makes me say, you know what? I'm satisfied with the quality starter label here as opposed to the cornerstone. I have a take. Okay. We received some questions after yesterday's show in regards to slotting Lamar Jackson as a quality starter. Similar thing. Saquon Barkley is to the running back as Lamar is to quarterback. Perfect. Perfect. Where just the last few years of instability of, of production and availability really make it hard to put you in that bucket. Yep. That's a perfect parallel. So if you get a, if you guarantee me the next three years, you're going to get a hundred percent health and availability of that player. Yeah. You would probably put you in cornerstone, but the recent sample size is just not quite there yet. Or it's not quite there right now. Uh, Daniel Jones, we have as a adequate level starter. I think his ceiling in the NFL is probably that of a quality starter. I'm hoping we'll see him closer to that version of himself this year, but um, I, I certainly think he stabilized his play. I don't know yeah. that he warranted what he got in a new contract, but that's the quarterback market, right? It is what it is. Um, Darius Slayton, Mark Lewinsky, Azizo Zolari, Sean Robinson, Bobby O'Karaki, Darnay Holmes, Bobby McCain, all also adequate level starters as well. All right, let's come to consensus. Yeah, where do you want to go? <clears throat> well, we have a bunch of receivers and one offensive lineman. You want to do the offensive lineman first? Yeah. It's Ben Bredesen. I have him as a quality depth player. Kyle says replacement level. This is what I'll say. I don't think you want him to, to have to 
be your starter. I, I, I would agree with that. Um, but I think as a three-hole interior backup with, with experience that has some level of youth, I, I think that, that gives him the, the purple tag for me. So you're really just banking on the positional versatility as being why he got the assignment that he did? Yeah, I think if you needed a guy to start a game or get you out of a game that can play three spots, that can be one of your roster, you know, get a gets a jersey on game day. I think he's serviceable. In that so he's way. dressing, and the appeal is that he is saving you a roster spot to use somewhere else because of his positional versatility. Correct. You don't want him playing volume of snaps. You don't want to, he's not your preferred starter. I, the Giants fans should be hoping that Josh Easy you do wins that job. Like I, I, I believe all those things. And how many snaps has he taken at center? Thirty, I think. So he's played one snap at left tackle, thirty at center, and then okay. The point is he can play it. I will I will come and meet you at quality depth because he has showcased an ability to play multiple spots, including multiple interior spots. So that's a fair argument on your point. I will agree with you. We'll put him as a quality depth player. Colin Johnson's probably your next least path of resistance for us to come to consensus on. All right, so am I the I'm the lower no, you're replacement level on Colin Johnson and I'm yes. incomplete eval yes. on Colin Johnson. Um okay, so I I'll I'm not his biggest fan. All right, I'll I'll say that. Um my incomplete evaluation is because I teeter on quality depth and replacement level. Um I know that he had some momentum kind of going into that first season with this offensive coaching staff. It was very disappointing when he got injured. Um, but I think you can probably look to him being a young player that's been on two teams that kind of has a specific way that he wins and and not get intrigued. I just I kind of wanted to see what it looked like with this offensive coaching staff. But and we obviously didn't get it. We didn't get it. And he's coming um, off of injury. Like he it's probably yeah. he's probably never going to be a meaningful player. So but I try to give him a Ergo. Put, put the orange tag on, but I wanted to at least okay. give him a chance here okay. with Brian Dable. Yeah, so obviously didn't play last year. I think he's very one-dimensional as a player. Did play some some special teams. He might be on the Lawrence in, Cager path. Yeah, maybe we'll see him as at uh, tight end here in a couple of years, right? He's got he's got that body type size. Yeah, he can do it. He does. Well, he's intriguing enough. I don't know. We'll see. Uh Jamison Crowder. Yeah. I think Jamison Crowder, when healthy, is a sufficient level slot player. He provides punt return ability as well. I mean, the name of the game with Jamison has been injuries. Um, when he's healthy, I think he's a guy that can get 50 to 70 targets for your passing game and be your your featured punt returner. I guess the challenge is now we are an aged punt return heavy specialist that does not have appealing physical traits. Can I not find that anywhere? I don't know. At, like I, at this stage in Jamison's career, because I, I agree with, with your description of who he largely has been. 
Yeah. I think if he doesn't hurt his ankle last year, I think he's the Bills featured slot player, and I think he winds up having a pretty good year. But he broke his ankle. Which, I mean, I guess counting on Jamison Crowder to stay healthy, shame on you. He played 500 snaps in 2021. 500 snaps in 2020. Always battling something, though. Right. He last played meaningful snaps in 2019. I mean, if you want, if if injury's the, the thing, then I then I don't have anything to say. Like, I that's not going to help me. But I think he can be a starting, uh, a sufficient level starting slot receiver that gives you punt return ability. I think that has some value. But if, if injuries is going to come over the top, there's nothing I can say. Okay. Which I'm going to take it because I have a feeling I'm probably going to meet you on Paris Campbell. Okay. So you gave Paris Campbell a. Quality depth tag. Yeah. And I gave him a replacement level tag as well. Yeah. I, I think we like got it, but we got a, we got a real shot to see Paris Campbell on a offense that was completely in shambles last year. And he found some production injuries. His first three seasons were awful. Uh, but I think in like the best way imaginable that Brian Dable got production out of Isaiah McKenzie. I think he gets that and more out of Paris Campbell with some of that horizontal spacing with the jet motion um, can, can create after the catch. Like he's got some dynamic, dynamic athleticism as well. Um, I'm not sure he's a volume target, but if he got six, 700 yards from scrimmage this coming year, I think that would be um, well within his wheelhouse. I think he's a, a nice ancillary piece of an offense. If he can stay healthy. He played 980 snaps last year. Yep which is probably about 900 more than he did his first three seasons. Uh, 196, 63, and 177. So, yeah. I mean, I was definitely a little hyperbolic, but I wasn't that far off. <laughs> it was, you know it was I mean? two It was two-thirds of his career snaps right. last year. Yeah. Um, average 9.9 yards per catch. And I get I get it. I'm, I'm going to come up because I think the, the argument that you made for Jamison Crowder in some ways can also apply to Paris Campbell, even though their skill sets are different. As special team, there's some special teams value here. There's some scheme touch value here. He does have explosiveness and athleticism where Jamison Crowder does not. Um, he's probably going to be the elevated player that's in this role. So because he forecasts higher on the depth chart, like I'll, I'll meet you with quality depth here. But my concern is, is that we caught 63 passes and had 9.9 yards per catch last year. And I understand as you said, that Colts offense was a train wreck. Mm. I get it. And I understand that that doesn't always put a player in the best position to be successful. But for a player with the athletic qualities that he has, you certainly would be looking at that level of production uh, of touches and want more. Again, he, he caught about two-thirds of his career passes and two-thirds of his career yards came last year as well in the snaps. So... Worried about the ceiling. I don't. I don't think that this is necessarily a quality starter. Or I don't. Definitely don't think he's a quality starter as of right now. I. I wonder if the ceiling's anything higher than an adequate level starter. But it's going to be on Brian Dable to unlock the per touch efficiency for for Paris Campbell to get him to a point where I think it's a little bit more in line with what your expectations would be for how good of an athlete he is. Well, and his his average depth of target was six and a half. Yeah. So I I, I get it. Like. That the that it was a bad offense. I'm but. curious. Like, I, I'm trying to pull a metric here. Okay, I I think I got it. What? Uh, how many? T- do you have any his total tar- targets last year? I believe it was 91. 
Did he really have that many targets? 91 targets last year, yes. Okay, so players in the NFL last year that had 90 targets, if you filter that by average depth of target, goodness gracious. He was six and a half, right? That's what you just said. What a weird group of players this is. Oh, I got to get it rid of the postseason stats. That's why this isn't looking weird to me. Okay, hold on. I'm almost there. I hope I get it. Gosh, I hope I get it. How many people? So lowest average depth of target for players with at least 90 targets. Chris Godwin, six. (laughs) Okay. Good preview for, for when we do Tampa next week. Right. Yeah, don't yell at us. Paris Campbell, six and a half. Amon Ross St. Brown, 6.7. Then you get the Juju at 7.1 and Cooper Cup at seven and a half. Honestly, the, those are those are all play it's with the exception of Chris Godwin. And when you factor in what Tampa Bay's offensive line last year was last last year, I get it. Those are all players I expect to be in this. Yeah. Except for Paris Campbell. Well, like by <laughs> and large, by and large, these are over 10 yards a target. If you're getting this volume of like there's 39 players that fit this criteria. And we're under seven. Yes. Well, one, two, three. There was three under seven. And there was only like seven wide receivers. Is this only wide receivers? This is only wide receivers. Is there, if you put running back, are there any running backs that had a higher depth of target with that kind of volume? I'm sure Eckler's on the list. He caught 800 balls last year. Okay. So, um, okay. First of all, getting qualifiers is tough. Oh no! Average depth of target for running backs is terrible. It's like a yard because they catch nobody behind. Is there any that were further than Paris Campbell? Not not with that volume of targets. Okay, no. Okay, so the crisis averted. Then that's fine. Yeah, no. Most 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 running backs don't even average positive yards. Average depth. That's why they're all leaders in yak. Austin Eckler's average depth of target is negative point eight. So. And he was targeted 127 times last year, yeah. and that's his average depth target. Just, yeah. Okay, yeah. Welcome, Kellen Moore. Let's get this offense <laughs> rolling. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Locked on NFL Scouting. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We appreciate you guys and the everydayers who are locked in with us on a daily basis. It's your teams every day here on the Locked On Network. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. We hope you have a great rest of your day. We're out of here. Peace. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.